Welcome to that was a very abrupt fade out of that music. Wow. <laughs> I had me going. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you that that song slaps. I have the whole track. It's like three minutes long and it and eventually like full fully loops. And it, it really the bass comes in and it, like a couple minutes in there's like a bass solo. It's really I'm telling you, it slaps. But uh anyways, here I am. I'm here with me, Mike, and uh Borzoi is my co host. Borzoi is going to start being my regular co-host in this time slot starting in January. Uh, next week, I've got a commitment because Borzoi is not going to be around, but I've got a commitment from James to do the show with me. So it's going to be Mike and James next week. And then we're going to have new artwork and a, a new snappy reference, reference-y, like ironic reference show title for this show. And uh, we'll go from there. But today, we're just doing Mike and Borz. Here we are. We're just going to... We've Talk some stuff white, for a little while. We've been doing the white nationalist thing of having ten-hour uh, thinking sessions on what do we call it because that's what you got to do first. You you got to get the title. You, the out the first. only no, that's the only thing you have to do. Yeah. Uh, when you launch any white nationalist project, the only thing you need to do is come with a cool name, and that's all you need to do. The rest just falls. Itself. <laughs> the rest just <laughs> falls into place. I, you know, there it is, and nothing bad ever happens. Nothing bad ever comes of that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I actually should say, um, I've been getting a lot of people wondering, they, they're done listening to what's going on with the drama and what people are posting and stuff. People are legit like, yo, what is going on with the NJP or what was the former NJP? And, and I'm going to say this with no hesitation because I've been watching this develop behind the scenes now for a couple of weeks, or it feels like a couple of weeks. I think it's only been a week and a half. It feels like it's been a couple weeks, though. It feels like it's been a couple fucking years, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's, it feels like months. <laughs> but uh, it was only like last Sunday when this shit started. But um, anyway, well, no. Actually, no. This The NJP has been a long and drawn-out saga. Someday I'll tell. Probably not, though. Maybe. When I die, there'll be something left over for somebody to go over it. By that time, nobody will care, though. But um, Oh, God. The DMs. <laughs> Historians combing through our DMs. Don't know. Yeah, everyone. Deli- yeah, always. Deli- that's going to be a thing at some point that historians are going to have to do. Is like comb through people's DMs, and so much will be lost, and we'll then we'll realize how much of people's lives were lost always before. Anyway, um, so what's going on is actually these. As I said, when I let Tony go, the supporter group leaders, the national supporter group leaders, and the staff members all supported me in that decision. There was not, from what I can tell, a single dissenting voice, and we've only had one. Uh, we only had one supporter group leader resign because he just was sort of done with the whole thing uh, since that happened. Other than that, though, we've all been in a, in a chat together. We've been discussing what the next step is. Um, we've been talking and fleshing out how we're going to restructure our organization. It's, as I said, significant more local autonomy for the various uh, leaders. And, um, you know, the, the ability to pursue projects with support from kind of just each other as, as like a central organization, keeping everybody in touch with each other. And uh, since we've also then declared, and I'm going to declare it now, if you were in a pool party or you were in a supporter group before you were kicked out or asked to be removed or, or ghosted or I don't know what happened because you didn't, you didn't have a subscription and you didn't feel like you should have to get a subscription in order to stay with the group that you'd been in, or if some other issue happened, um, you know, you can come back. We are hoping that people will come back. And we've had a lot of people reaching out. I had a very old friend who had been purged by Tony arbitrarily and without any input from myself, without asking me, without talking to me about it. He just did it and then told me it had been done. It was a fait accompli. Doesn't matter who he knows who he is. We've been talking for the last day. He messaged me and he's like, hey, can I tell you my story? What happened? I'm like, yes, please. So that's actually going on. So despite the the shit show on like the one app, everything is actually going well internally. And in fact, there's never been so much people actually shit posting, having fun and doing memes and talking about stuff. There has been a little bit of tension, but uh, overall, I think it, that's all settled and everyone sort of yeah, like we're going to get through this bullshit and we're, we're eager to move on to the next step. So that's happening. But, uh, you know, we're not we're not going to jump the gun on anything either. We're not going to rush right into a new thing. Let the waters settle a little bit. Um, and then you'll hear what we're going to do. And uh, it's just going to be, 
it's going to be good. And uh, it's actually probably already going to be bigger than the NJP because we have so many people coming back. And I realized, like, yeah, these people really – some people, obviously, at some point, someone deserves to get kicked out, right? But this was not – this was way too many people. Like, way, way, way too many people were just told to fuck off, and it wasn't fair. So here we are. And that's really all I have to say about that. So now we can do the show. Yeah, let's do it. I don't really have so, any comments on that myself. So the, I, yeah, feel, I feel like really you covered I mean, that. So, Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, Boys and I are trying a novel approach with this show. <laughs> called doing it's prep? It's called prep. <laughs> it's called prep. Now, I would do... See, here's the thing. I, I, there's a myth out there that I don't do prep. I don't know where this, where this vicious... <laughs> <laughs> this vicious rumor came from that I don't do prep. I don't know where it came from because I regularly do prep. What I don't do prep is when I'm mired in all this other bullshit. So hopefully once this ends, then that will be over and I can actually do prep again. But I do do prep. But oftentimes my prep is just like in my head. I don't have it like in Yes, I was going to say like what you guys don't do is have a channel where we put all the stuff. So I've never done this before. Easily. I've never done this before. You were messaging me all the stuff for today's show and I was like, hey. We should just have a channel for that. And I'll bet you like every other podcast does that. Every other like uh, Telegram-centered, Telegram-oriented culture, whatever, podcast does Every that. show I do definitely does that. Probably every other show on TRS does that, except, except <laughs> for the ones I'm on. Because <laughs> everyone like, it's like, everyone relies on me to do the prep, but like, I don't do the prep, like, I don't have it in front of me, but I can, I can discuss it. But I love it when someone else does prep, because I can also discuss that. Because I can rub my mouth on anything. So here we go. So what do we have? Arlington Monument. Well, oh yeah, you want to start there? Want, yeah. So want, we have starting at the top. It's the first. Thing okay, you want to go? Yeah, we'll just go down. So yeah, this was a story that okay. had come up a couple days ago. Uh, yeah. Actually, yesterday, ju- uh, there was an attempt to move, remove a Confederate memorial from Arlington Cemetery, and there's been a a uh, what do you call it? Injunction? A halt on mm-hmm. that? I don't. I don't know what the yeah. exact, exact yeah, terminology it's an, is. It's called an injunction. Yeah, an in, okay. injunction temporarily halting work. What happens is if there's an ongoing case, but um, typically in, a, in, in something like this, like a dispute like this, if there's an ongoing case, one party that's doing something will will want to keep doing it. And they'll want to keep doing it to create facts, facts on the ground that mean that they'll ultimately get their way anyway. So the other party will be like, hey, judge, you have to make them stop before they create irreparable damage to my side of the case while it's being decided. So that's that's what's happening here. A federal judge issued an injunction temporarily halting work on the removal... Wait, oh, halting work to remove the memorial as part yeah. of... They had just effort. started to remove a, a Confederate memorial that had been established, I think, in 1914. And then a group that's affiliated with uh, Save Southern Heritage Florida was able hmm. to successfully get an injunction against the removal. So it's put us like they're working through the legal machinations on that right now. Yeah. You know, what's funny is, um, 1914, this was erected. Um, it looks like a fairly large erection, but, um, <laughs> sorry. I, I know. I, 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 I it's so stupid. You can't help yourself. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, 1914, you know, that era, um, that pre pre World War One era, uh, turn of the century era, was when like all the Confederate monuments were going up, which makes sense. I mean, because this monument was funded by the United Daughters of the Confederacy, because yeah, so there was a lot you had, of you in, had a lot of factors going on at the time in the South. There was a lot of because they had sort of um, actually shaken off some of Reconstruction. They never fully shook it off, as we know. But they had gotten rid of – like the white people had reasserted many rights in the South at this point. And that's when these monuments started. Because there was a point where like, you couldn't vote if you were white. Have you ever – speaking of that, the 1911 – I'm trying to remember – Encyclopedia Britannica. I think it's that one. Yeah, the 1911 Encyclopedia Britannica. Have you ever read the uh, – the because that's a, that's a very – a uh, well-regarded encyclopedia uh, edition of it because of how well-written it is. Mm-hmm. It's it, they had actual writers and academics, people adding what, entries. What edition? But, uh, the 1911 edition, okay. which I we were we were actually able to snag a a, a 
a physical copy of it in pretty good condition for just a couple hundred dollars. Somebody was just trying to offload it. But well, if you ever read the the in, the entry on the Ku Klux Klan from the uh, 1911, I have edition. not read that. But I I will say this: growing up uh, in my house, my dad had a I don't know what year it was, but it was a really old year. I want to say like 1898, but I think that's too old. It might have been a little bit more recent than that. Uh, a, 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 a like, and it was it was kind of falling apart. Like some of it, the edition, the the books, they were very big, heavy books, and they were they were there was an Encyclopedia Britannica, and it was from sometime around that era. And my dad always said it was the last one before they like changed something fundamentally about it. So it might have been 1911. It might it's have probably been 1911 because if that's, if the that's first known as the face famous one. Yep. Uh, but so, but so that's funny because growing up, and, and just to talk about the encyclopedia for a second more, growing up, like my dad had this bookshelf on the when I was a kid. I, my my bedroom was up on the third floor of the house. We had kind of a big house, and I was up on the third floor. But on the third floor was just like two rooms and a walkway between them, and a railing that you could look over down into the rest of the house. Right, so it was sort of you were up at the very top there. Uh, and my dad had put up there in that hallway between the two rooms, the other one which was his study, and the other one was my bedroom. He put up there like a big bookshelf and put all of his college and academic books. He was, you know, he was a linguistics professor for a little while. Mm-hmm. All of his college and academic books were up there, and that Encyclopedia Britannica was along the entire bottom shelf of that bookshelf. So when I was a kid, you know, at night I would go in there and I would just peruse and pour through all these books that my dad had, and then, and then sometimes I'd pull out that Encyclopedia Britannica and I would just sit there like reading from it and looking at it, and it was really cool to have in the house. And I really wish – I wonder if my dad still has it or if it's probably stashed somewhere in storage or maybe in his basement in his house, wherever it is now, somewhere in the woods in Minnesota, I think. But anyway, yeah, interesting. So, so listen to this. This yeah. is from the entry on it. Ku Klux Klan, the name of an American secret association of southern whites united for self-protection and to oppose the reconstruction measures of the United States Congress, 1865 to 1876. The object was to protect the whites during the disorders that followed the Civil War and to oppose the policy of the North towards the South. Mm-hmm. And the result of the whole movement was a more or less successful revolution against mm-hmm. the reconstruction and an mm-hmm. overthrow of the governments based right. on Negro suffrage. It may be compared in some degree to such European societies as the Carbonara, Young Italy, the the Tugendbund, the Conferies of France, the Freemasons in Catholic countries, and the Vemgerit. And then kind of skipping down here, it's – here we go. The various causes assigned for the origin and development of the movement were the absence of stable government in the South for several years after the Civil War, the corrupt and tyrannical rule of the alien, renegade, and Negro, and the belief that it was supported by the federal troops which controlled elections and legislative bodies, <laughs> the, dis- <laughs> the disenfranchisement of whites, the spread of ideas of social and political equality among the Negroes, fear of Negro insurrections, the arming of Negro militia, and the disarming of the whites, outrages upon white women by black black men, the influence of northern adventurers in the Freedmen's Bureau and the Union League in alienating the races, the humiliation of Confederate soldiers after they had been paroled, in general, the insecurity felt by Southern whites during the decade after the collapse of the Confederacy. So when you were talking about kind of the time period of this, you had all these forces going on towards they were of mm-hmm. the South being able to reassert itself yeah. within the new this United States nationalist movement to really the, really finish the job of trying to create a an American nationalist and being able to have both sides of a conflict right. conflict being proud of their heritage. Well, I think they and, also they really because sometimes people are like, why you know you get these libtards and and, and people that don't know anything. When the monument frenzy started, the taking down the monument frenzy started, and then went, of course, went into overdrive after Charlottesville. Um, they were like, "Why are there so many of these anyway?" And I'm like, "Well, when you know this history that you just laid out, thank you to the wonderful writers at the 1911 Encyclopedia Britannica." Um, then you understand why, because that's right at the time. When that happened, and they just started putting up monuments everywhere, they wanted to. I think they had a sense they wanted to put their stamp down, quick, and and like make like basically put these put all these things down as like make these things like a fait accompli. And of course, now that's all being undone. Now, you know. Well, you also had it was less. Let's see here, uh, eighteen sixty-five. Yeah, it was about fifty years from the end of the conflict, and so you had the mm-hmm. children and grandchildren. 
who were proud of their fathers and grandfathers and wanted right. to make sure that those that these stories that were passed down to them, because like that's still part of the living memory that was within this country. It's mm-hmm. so weird for us because we're so distant from it now. But it used to be people had living memories of very brutal conflicts and they wanted to see, yeah. especially like the, of, of the disorder. And also, I mean, like you had the phenomenon in the late 19th century of like, like the Confederate soldier who is in a disability home because and hooked on morphine because mm-hmm. of the just what that war brought upon the population. So all these f- factors go into people wanting to have pride in <coughs> right in their in, in their families in their families these ac- their actual families. When I was a kid, there was like news that the last living daughter of a confederate soldier had died yep like when i was a kid this was actually news in the country and this was at a time when the idea of taking down any of these statues was absolutely unheard of it was it was unheard of nobody would have had even if it got brought up it might have been at the point where like in the 80s when i was a little kid where like if you brought up the idea you wouldn't get immediately shot down but people would be like "Eh, that's never gonna happen you know um, so I don't know when it was that they started getting the idea to do it. I think the, the Lee statue in Charlottesville was one of the first, although I don't think the first. Um, and it uh, wasn't the first; it was just the most famous that was being targeted. It was very famous, and and also, frankly, it's because Richard went to had spent some time at UVA, I think, and so he heard about it and he wanted to do it. And then we did. Nobody remembers the first Charlottesville demonstration. How much everyone loved that shit. People loved that that one, the very first one. We had torches and stuff outside of the monument, and we were shouting, oh, right. you, we, you will not replace us. That's where that all came from. Like People forget like that was a big deal. That was a very big deal, the very first Charlottesville, uh, which was went off without a hitch. Like We went in. We, we lit our torches. Uh, we stood outside the monument, and there was a ton of people, and we shouted, you will not replace us, and the whole town could hear us. I think and that's then, the one where the uh, Spencer Skyrim meme comes from with the way that he's holding the torch and looking forward. He looks like something out of the Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. But that was um, – then we did a th- we did a third one. After the, after the big one, we went back again, and that was fucking dumb. But uh, we, I, we, I, I was like, I'm doing it just because. And we basically got – we like piled into a bunch of vans with tiki torches and we like piled out like right next to the, the Lee statue. And like, we lit them and walked through the town again. And like all these people, all these fucking libtards eating lunch and shit, like they were like – like they couldn't believe it. Anyway, um, that was fun. I'm glad I did that because I was like I have to tell you one last fuck you to this town. But um, yeah. <laughs> and the next day I got served with a lawsuit from a Brita Kaplan. <laughs> but I won that one too. So uh, yeah. So I don't really have much else to say. I mean, what what is what do we have here? Is there something else interesting going on? The memorial has been criticized for its sanitized depiction of slavery and the plan to remove it from the country's most famous cemetery as part of a military wide effort to take down Confederate symbols from bases ships and other facilities dozens of republican lawmakers have opposed removing the memorial but not so hard that it actually does anything on monday as the work to remove the monument was getting underway a federal judge issued a temporary restraining order that had been requested by a group called defend arlington the group, oh, so the defend arlington is affiliated with southern with save southern heritage florida okay. yeah 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 uh, and there really, it really isn't much to comment on other than the kind of discuss what we had discussed. Yes, this I was just, funded by I the saw United people, Daughters of the Confederacy, which was a thing, a big thing, actually. Uh, plans for the monument drew fierce opposition from the civil rights activist groups, not only the NAACP. The depiction of the Mammy in particular diminished the harm inflicted upon women whose families were destroyed under slavery. I mean, what about, okay, I mean, this kind of shit, it's just like, I feel, um, oh, there's a, there's a Grossman involved here. Hold on a second. Where does, where does, where does he, he's giving the context for the, the history behind that. He's actually not really, Oh, he's, he's, but it's still just like, okay, dude, all the people being quoted in this article are Jews, Levin, Grossman. I mean, even if they're not being super Jewy, just the fact that these are the people 
who are who are the experts. These are the these are the people. The Jelaine Smith, who I'm sorry, Jelaine Schmidt, who's complaining about this, is black though. Just so, yeah, so right. She's so, she was the one who let who uh, I think. So you have a, a black person complaining and two Jews. Like, let me give you the context on this. Yeah, I believe she was the one because she's a professor of, at University of Virginia. I believe she's the one who. Basically, got got the Charlottesville statue, the Lee statue, melted down. See the one that was like bragging about it. It was funny. Yeah. It was like the day the Lee statue melted down. It was like you had like white nationalists using the 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 red hot Robert E. Lee face as their as their avatar, and you had like anti racists using it, and it was like. Actually, yeah. I think we have yeah, a better Darryl claim Lamont to Jenkins, that. Yeah, Daryl Lamont Jenkins changed his Twitter avatar to. But that's like uh, that's our meme though because it's like it's like enraged Robert E. Lee. <laughs> he's so angry, he's glowing red hot. But that shit is just that that's just disgusting. I mean, I don't see how anybody again, you know, people that just are okay with it or just go. I get why people just go along. I get why anyone just goes along with it because what are you going to do, right? But um. Well- yeah, it's rich coming from people who years ago whined about I uh, I and it was messed up what ISIS was doing, but of the historical artifact. I, I hated what ISIS was doing. Yeah, but ISIS but rules key, America too. ISIS is yeah. another fucking Jewish project, and it's the same exact Jewish iconoclasm that yeah. rules America. That hates that hates symbols of people. They hate they hate images of people. They want everything to be abstract so they can gaslight you with their bullshit religion. I'm serious. I really think that they're 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 saying no statues of people, which is what that no craven idols or shit, whatever means. Oh that yeah, means no statues of people, and that means like no, have no history, no no reference points. You know? Well, it's funny you mentioned that as well because I've had interactions uh, before with Jews who do genuinely like abstract art. There is something to mm-hmm. their racial character and aesthetic yep, it's not it's, it's not just a it, this is an aspect like that, but it's not just an imposition of humiliation upon a people they no. actually do genuinely like that stuff dude they just like they genuinely liked like the nba and like yeah. hip-hop music like they actually like these things like michael rapaport is a genuine jew he lives in new york he likes new york city he likes the crowds he likes the traffic he likes the noise he likes to see all these people of different races around. He likes hip hop music and he likes basketball. That's who he is. He's not lying to you when he's when he's taking on those personas. So yeah, they're like that. That's what they're There's like. There's just too much of it out there and too much of them being invested in it for there to not be some kind of enjoyment to it. They just right. like it. No, it's stuff that they like. It's stuff they like. And they like it. I think part of the reason they like it is because they feel safe. Like a Jew feels nowhere safer in a cosmopolitan metropolis. Filled with people of all different kinds of races, so he doesn't stand out. And uh engaging in entertainment products that are expensive and are catered towards wealthy people that live in a big cosmopolitan city. That's just I- what they like. Now, this is just me completely speculating baselessly, but I do. it does occur to me now, I wonder if part of the reason why they hate these depictions of real people is because it gives a finite definition to how a race of people look, and they yes. need that ability to be able to blend in. That's probably part of it, yes, but it's also like <clears throat> they know they're not of our people. And at some point, if we have a very good sense of who we are, like by having things like statues of our ancestors around that we can look at and understand where we are through that, uh, then they'll start to we'll start to be cognizant of the fact that they were the other. In fact, the modern world and the advent of mass media as a form of communication was the best thing for them, because before you had mass media, and even in the early days of mass media, it was very easy for people that didn't like Jews to communicate with each other. And it was very difficult for Jews to interrupt the natural way that communication was happening before mass media, which was just, uh, you you know, mouth to ear, people talking to each other, people living in a community and talking to each other, where, like, if you were an anti-Semite in that community, maybe somebody didn't approve, but it wasn't, like, the worst thing in the world, you know? And, uh, Mm -hmm. and, And so, you know, that's why... And what can they do? What can they do to... That's why they want to break up communities while they want to get the ear of like 
a local priest or a local magistrate or something like that, somebody with power, they need to worm their way in next to him, get his ear and start convincing him of things or just paying him off. Because if they don't have mass media to put ideas in people's heads about what's normal and how they should be acting, people will default to what is actually a human norm, and that's talking shit on Jews. Um, like, for real, and I'm not even joking, that's like a natural reaction to what they're doing. Someone's going to be, like, it's not normal. Like, the way they act, even today, these Orthodox Jews, if there wasn't this massive blanket taboo on ever saying anything bad about them, anywhere, ever, and we talked about what started happening in that town when the Jewish overdevelopers were developing their little dormitory, and the people come out, and they're like, they kind of know what's going on, but they're like, this is cultural imperialism. And it's like that's the best that they do because that's the only thing they have language for, and that's. It's, but they, actually, it's kind of impressive that they do have the even yeah. the language for that because that was actually it, kind the mass of a thing, media yeah. point. Yeah, the mass media points well on point because I mean people who are listening have probably had this experience when they've talked to people about Jews is the person that they're talking to who, who may not who just doesn't have the full political consciousness of this stuff because will usually fall back on some kind of media Jew that they know maybe mm-hmm. maybe there's somebody who they do know in in real life but generally the experience that I've noticed is like well but you know this depiction that I'm familiar with mm-hmm. yeah they're kind of like funny they like money but like really are they all that bad they, yeah they can't like I, doesn't that sound absurd that the Jews are like con- you know, or, uh, Jews are controlling power. the world. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, like yeah, no, that's that's an easy thing to play off, particularly when you get to set all the messaging. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Jewish power went hand in hand with the advent of mass media. They couldn't have done it before. Have you have you read Esau's? Ma- mass media is basically like the biggest in before. Like they're controlled. In mass media is just it's just the an in before for the whole race. It's very true. You're very right about that. Yeah, I mean, basically, I think you know, uh, Lindemann basically even says so in Esau's Tears. He basically says the same thing. It's like, yeah, no, they couldn't have done it. Because how are you going to stop, unless you can just, unless you're controlling effectively what 90% of the people are seeing and reading, um, how are you going to stop someone from being anti-Semite or from the other people around him not really thinking that him being an anti-Semite matters very much? Like, the people, you know, people, oh, that guy's an anti-Semite. This guy really can't take Jews, man. He really doesn't like them. <laughs> really had Norm sketch, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I had, oh, yeah. A, I had a friend. Hold Hold the phone. Jews. He hated Jews. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of a friend of mine. He also hated Jews. I was like, just never, I've never laughed so fucking hard in my life. <laughs> what, what were you asking me what I read? Sorry, I talked over you when you when you were asking me something. Me? Yeah, you were, you were asking me, like, have you read, you were, uh, right before we went into oh, the last Oh, have you read Esau's Tears? No, I still haven't read that yet. That's a good read, man. Solid read. You will hate Jews so much. I don't know why Lindemann does these things. I'm like, do you secretly hate yourself? But you have your theory on that, which you can go into yeah. if you want. You have your theory on that. It's just a heuristic. Like, it's not an <laughs> iron, iron yeah, law it's not, of, yeah, of, mich- no. of Michelin's. But what I have noticed just dealing with uh, – like, well, not dealing with. I don't really know any of these people. But, like, I, I observe people who have mixed Jewish heritage. Um, mm. And generally, though, like – Compared to those who have the Jewish mother and the Gentile father, who I found to be like really messed up people, yeah. those who have the the Jewish father and the Gentile mother tend to have a they they'll have more of a nuanced uh, perspective, I mm-hmm. guess, on their own Jewish heritage. Like they'll fall back on it. They'll always fall back on it because mm-hmm. of the, well, the power get, and privilege. You get advantages that, that, from it, right? Yeah, you get yeah. advantages. You get power and privilege for that. It's you're to, you're still told like, oh, people will hate you for being Jewish, so they're still going to fall back on that. But they don't have the quite the level of insane yeah. um, conditioning that the Jewish mother tends to give the their children yeah. so they'll they'll have more of a of a detached perspective on at least some of them i mean well, that's they'll not learn, always they'll true learn, as you yeah. said i think you said they learn how to be like canny and manipulative from their dad and they learn how to be like hysterical from their mom and if they don't yeah that would be a, that'd be a good way of putting they it. don't have the hysteria it's different now there's a video that was out um i i could not find it if i started looking and we'd waste a lot of time with me looking there's a video that came out when this new Israel war started, at least I saw it then. I don't know when it came out. And it was of a extremely ideological Jewish settler on the West Bank. And she was talking to basically what seemed to be a liberal, secular Israeli Jew. Now, many of the settlers 
are not actually like super religious. They used to be secular. They used to be like secular racial Jewish supremacists. Increasingly, they are getting outbred by religious Jewish supremacists. But in any case, um, and this woman was saying, um, and they were out on the West Bank someplace, right, in an illegal settlement. And and this liberal Jew was asking her questions. And she and, and she was saying, yeah, my husband asks me even, why am I always going on and on to the children about Zionism? Why am I always going on and on to the children about Zionism? And she's like, well, the reason is because uh, they need to understand that that's like their mission in life, for, for lack of a better way of putting it. She was much more stringent and, and strident in what her commentary was. And she was saying, like, they have to know that, like, they, they have to occupy this land, and they have to occupy even more land. And it was like Arabs putting it out there, because basically she she named, like, just vast swaths of land outside of Israel that belongs to Arabs as part of the stuff that they're eventually going to take over. But I thought the interaction between her and this liberal Jew was more interesting. And um, and she's like, and then she started guilt-tripping the, the liberal one. And she was like, aren't you a Zionist, too? Aren't you a Zionist? Don't you love Israel? And he said, I am a Zionist and I love Israel, but I fear that people like you are creating the death of Israel. And then the clip like ends. And I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, but so that was like, that's a perfect example of like a totally hysterical Jewish racial supremacist Zionist mother who basically even her own like racially supremacist Zionist husband was like, why are you brainwashing our kids <laughs> quite so hard? Like, you're kind of doing it, like, a lot. And and, he, and she's like, he, he tells me every day, because all I talk about with the kids is Zionism, every day. I mean, imagine what that would be like, what that would do to your brain. Yeah. So, not it to is have any sympathy very... for these people, because, yeah, fuck them, but, yeah. It actually is very interesting when you contrast the way Jewish mothers and white mothers are, because white mothers, tend, you know, they'll... I mean, we understand these values. Like, oh, you should be nice to people, like, you mm -hmm. have to be, you know... Consider it be, be charitable, nice, be, be cooperative, yeah. don't cause yeah. a scene, don't make yourself into an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Jewish mothers is like everybody's tr everybody's trying to kill you, and you have to be always yeah, like aware everyone's of trying to kill you. And the only way to save yourself is to hate all of them and kill them first. Yeah, which is why yeah. it makes it it makes it even more disgusting and insidious with the way that you see that that they hack. Uh, the brains of white women to take those values that they te that they teach our children to be within, like, and these are supposed to be uh, values that you express within your own community, mm -hmm. and to express those values towards those outside your community first yeah. and foremost yeah. to, to put them first. There's always been a bit of that with certain types of liberal whites that you can't really yeah. lay at the doorstep of Jews, but I don't think that would be a um, as as wide of a phenomena as it is. Without Jewish influence, and they they also hijack that, and then they can direct that the way they want. Well, even right. those like liberal whites, at least historically before, what they did was they they still built up their community first, and then like, right. they want they believed that there was enough abundance to bring in the others as well. They didn't put they didn't put the alien or they would go out first. They wouldn't even think of bringing them in. They would be like, go yeah. to Africa for a mission. Yeah. You know. There were some editorial cartoons you could see from British newspapers from, I think, around the turn of the century, too, where they show, like, some rich, like, society women in, like, a drawing room, like, using binoculars and looking out at Africa, like, the poor children, and there's, like, starving British children, like, right under their feet. So this has been a thing for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but these, these liberals would never have been able to build the beautiful civic institutions and artworks that they for – for their own countries. Yeah. They did that first before they ever Yeah, they did have really branched out into like Negro, you know, they, before they became Negro charity entrepreneurs. Like, you know, like, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't really have much more on this statue removal. Is there something yeah. exciting here? No, I, okay. I, no, I think we got, I just figured it'd be an update for people. Because, um, you, you know, we used to talk about the statue removal stuff all the time. Figured give people an update on that with so we have Arlington. So, pedophile FBI informant Steve Roby Robeson. Let me see if I bring this up. Uh, yeah, this is from Radix Verum, who yep. does excellent work who did, on this stuff. Who did stuff. all that work on the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot? Yeah, and that's what this guy. He is the. Uh, this is one of the architects. They, they call it, they call it what a CHS now confidential confidential human source. I believe he. Is but the, the amazing uh, thing is, like, there's nobody involved in that, save for like two guys that weren't. Yeah. Like that shit was literally a honeypot. There's no other way to describe it. It was yep. a honeypot. It was just an FBI honeypot. And like they're pretending like there was something real about it. And she's she's always been really good at covering this. So <clears throat> pedophile FBI informant Steve Roby Robeson, key architect of the Governor Gretchen Whitmer kidnap honeypot, not plot. I mean he's an FBI informant. It's a honeypot. 
Please I should just be using their quoted words. So. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm, 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 I'm criticizing their words. Yeah. Please guilty to felony theft in another sweetheart deal. December 16th, 2023, Washington, D.C. Confidential informant, CHS at the heart of the FBI's sprawling Gretchen Whitmer kidnap plot case. Why is it sprawling? Should they have wrapped this shit up by now? <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's important. It's not like it's a matter of national security or anything. It's just, yeah. This stuff has also been out of the Michigan news for the like. This is something that involved the Michigan governor, and even this isn't like has been out of the news for yeah. the most part for the for the longest time. It's it made a huge splash when it first happened. Then the updates generally get a little bit of headline news, but this stuff has been out of even local Michigan news for a long time. What despite this sort the fact of it's still awareness? What what would you say the awareness is that that, that it's like a fucking setup? That it was a honeypot amongst normal people, people who. People who continue to follow it know. People who yeah. only paid attention to the original story when mm-hmm. it first happened mm-hmm. um, still believe still believe the initial. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like you know, the, you put the lie out there first, and it takes forever for the lie to be corrected. So that, for the people who only saw the original headline, they still think that. But like um, for the for anybody who follows it more past the initial headline, they know, they know the majority know it's it was all BS. Yeah. So this guy is just a pedophile now. What did he do? Uh, has pleaded guilty of felony theft and has once again received no jail time and no prohibi- no, no probation despite having lengthy criminal record including prior felonies and convictions for things like having sex with a child 16 or over. Sexual assault, fraud, bail jumping, and a slew of other crimes. Robeson has paid a fine of 520 – is that $528? $528. Not $528,000. Just $528. That's nothing. That is nothing. Yeah. Uh, his wife, Kimberly, was also charged, had the case against her dismissed after his guilty plea. Robeson was facing up to three and a half years in prison and $10,000 in fines. So, yeah, something's fishy here. What is this? He illegally possessed a fifty caliber rifle? I think it looks well, listen to this. During, cool. During the, yeah. during the summer of 2020, Robeson defrauded a couple associated with a church he used to frequent and also defrauded out of an SUV <laughs> by telling the people he would be using it for his charity, which he claimed was working with law enforcement to help victims of child trafficking. Dude. That's, I, 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 would be, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, uh, how many scams are being run right now under the auspices of, like, yeah, we're going to stop child trafficking. A lot. Just like that movie was one of them. The Sound of Freedom. Like Jim, Jim Cavizio, like opened the floodgates on that one, didn't he? Yeah, no, I guarantee you there's a ton of, of unscrupulous shysters out there, like, just taking money out of old people's hands saying we're going to stop, like, the kids from getting raped by Joe Biden. We're not going to let Joe Brandon get away with this, you know? Yeah. It's, it's and sickening, like the way that they're able to just exp- like, because a lot of the stuff comes from very, you know, these are gen. It's always white. It's going to be white people. It's genuine, yeah. nice white people who see a very, like they understand there's something wrong in this country, and they, but they see it through the distorted lens that conservative media gives them. Yeah. And then you have these grifters and shysters and, uh, fraudulent people coming out of the woodwork to take money from them. They have they're being preyed on by these people and Indians. It's yeah. It, it <laughs> well, the I think Indian so many people is so infuriating. The what? The Indian scamming of white people of old white people is extremely yeah. Infuriating. It's like really bad. That, that's why you have those guys. Now it's funny is you've seen those videos of those guys that go out there and they have vigilante justice on them, and like they they actually use their remote link to fuck with their computer. Um, and like trick the Indian into giving them access to the computer that he's on and shit like that. I don't know how real it is, but I've seen there's a couple guys that do this, and it must just be that's like actually like a release, to, and they get them so fucking mad. That's where that's where why are you redeeming? Comes yeah, that's from. where why are you redeeming comes from, and like fuck your mother, bitch, and all that shit. But uh, but yeah. Um, I don't really, I don't know what's, I mean, is this anything, I mean, this is just another, another thing here. So let's yeah. go through, the, this is the Borzoi newsreel we're doing, and there's a lot here. <laughs> yeah, in, in the future, we'll probably cover. do, I'll, I'll we'll probably try to make it more thematic. To, yeah. Yeah. That's fine. It's, it's all thematic. It's all thematic. Yeah. I just, I just posted anything that I didn't want to see, uh, slip through the cracks. Yeah. I thought. Yes, yes, yes. So let's see, what is this? You, you should talk about this. I don't know. This now, one, you, this, this one's, one, you, you talking about the, the Catholic on, one? Yeah, you can lead on that. Yeah, this one, you know, this one's a little bit closer to home for me. I, I, yeah. I 
I cracked up when I saw this uh, this headline. The Catholic Church is becoming our Soros. <laughs> Growing scandal around Italian Catholic Church funding illegal immigration pro-refugee activists brag about not having to work due to church donations. This is from Remixed.News. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. News. Wait, wait. Somebody's bragging about not having to work because of donations? <laughs> I've never heard of anything like that before. I've never heard of anybody doing that before. Huh, weird. That's a bad look. Anyway, pressing forward. Yeah. <laughs> so Italian, Italian bishops are accused of Now the question is, deal. who am I referencing? Yeah. Could be anyone. Italian bishops anyway. are accused of financing the illegal transport of African immigrants to Europe. A uh, significant <laughs> scandal has recently shaken the. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just funny. Anyway, press forward. Sorry. All right, A significant I'm, scandal I'm, has I've recently shaken myself. A significant scandal has recently shaken the Catholic Church in Italy, as reported by La Verita Italian paper. Investigations by the city of Ragusa. Prosecutor's office have exposed the involvement of certain Italian dioceses in funding Mediterranea, an organization responsible for the illegal migration of African immigrants to Europe. Uh, this, uh, this reminds me as well of – I think it was the Catholic Church as well. I know Mediterranean has got to have Jews involved too. Guaranteed. Yeah, most likely. Uh, what was it um, – I think it was – I think it was uh, John Q. Publius, who oh, did that yeah, book. Okay, yeah. uh, he did a book about Maine. Uh, I remember that one. I have it I, somewhere. Oh, I wish I could remember the name, but he, he cataloged early Antelope Hill book, wasn't it? I think it was even before Antelope Hill. I think he did yeah, that. Yeah, he self published it. You're right. Yeah, he, no, it wasn't Antelope I think, I think, you know, I think it was published by like Ostara like Books. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a star. That's it right. It was, star it was a star. It, yeah, Ostara yeah, published that, and yeah. oh, I wish I could remember the name of the book. But it was a book about. There's a lot uh, of great books on Ostara, but I've heard the translations yeah. aren't very good. I don't yeah. know if that's true, but the titles are good. So just yeah, grab he, them. you don't read them anyway. He, you put them on your shelf so people see. He there, so. he did a a deep dive <laughs> into part of it was involving the 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 churches that were bringing migrants into Maine. Yeah, uh, the yes. the extensive networks that these yeah. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was the Catholic Church he mm-hmm. he mostly focused on that. These the are elaborate schemes. They're using, yeah, yes, and these. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I know. I would say like they all do it. I, I don't know. See, my, it's it's funny. Everyone's oh, they everyone, definitely all they definitely all do it. I know the Lutheran Church is involved. Everyone in gripes stuff, about the church they know more about or are more familiar with. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, no, nah, like I guarantee you, no one's more cucked on this than like Episcopalians and Lutherans. They're like absolutely, yeah. but there's just not. I don't know how many. Actually, in Maine, there probably are uh, Episcopalians. Probably a good amount. Oh yeah, Relative, yeah, definitely. You it's, know. it's going to be a lot of Episcopalians and Catholics up there because the you have the French Canadians that brought the mm-hmm. Catholic Church uh, down there, but a lot of those are still a lot of people in Maine are still very Anglo descended. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. So, um, so. They've lost what? So what's happening? What's so these dioceses have allegedly contributed at least two million uh, euros, and with some of the church payments ending up in the personal accounts of pro-immigration activists, according to Polish newspaper. Oh, like, once, like again, the fifth once again, donations ending up in personal accounts. <laughs> donations ending up in personal accounts. That's interesting. And for a second, I thought we were talking about Bo of the Fifth Column. Remember that? Yeah. Remember he was oh, involved God, in like, yeah, human trafficking? <laughs> yes, he was. He was, doing, he was doing some kind of hotel scheme. Yeah, no, he was getting – he somehow – he was He was like – I think he was basically a coyote who was basically yes, like, he like was. curing maids for like hotel chains. So he wasn't even doing yeah. something – he wasn't even doing something that you could say was like honorable or something. Like that. Oh, I'm helping these people get out of someplace safe, unsafe and, and get to someplace safe. Despite these conservatives constantly hating on me, but it's like no, you're actually just procuring procuring slave labor for like the days in, like good job, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, lying to like I think he was he was especially targeting Eastern European women for the scheme of his. Oh, so he's probably raping them. I'm just going to assume that <laughs> with no actual evidence that any such thing ever happened. Just making it up. Anyway. Key figures in this informal network of bishops include Cardinal Matteo Zuppi of Bologna, Archbishop Corrado Lorifice of Palermo, and several others with Cardinal Jean-Claude Hallerich of Luxembourg also implicated for donating 25,000 euros. The scandal's central figure is Luca Casarini, 
a leftist activist known for his role in the 2001 G8 summit protests in Genoa. He or Genoa. He later became involved in transporting illegal immigrants to Lampedusa. Casarini's relationship with Pope Francis, beginning in December 2019, has raised eyebrows, especially after Francis yeah. invited Casarini to participate in the Vatican Synod Synod of Bishops, despite his lack of active involvement in church life. Well, and and it's like he's only doing it because, you know, the Catholic Church is helping with migrants and stuff. There is an element on the left that is not – and it's the Gentile left, obviously. The Jewish left hates all Christians. But there is an element of the Gentile left that that actually does have, like, some amount of – I don't want to say – the word is not respect, but some amount of, like, willingness to just live with Catholics and work with Catholics, understanding that, like – the bureaucracy of the Catholic Church is generally pretty leftist, if you will. Or it's just what it does. I don't know if they are leftists. It's what they do. They do leftist things. I don't know if they are leftists. But yeah, there, there seems to be some weird grudging respect in some Gentile radical left circles for, for the church. And I, I ran up against it when I was an anti-war activist and still considered myself a leftist at the beginning of that. I ended, I ended up as like a Lulbert by the end of it because that's what, that's what I mean, the American left do to you. Takes your best intentions and makes you into a Lulbert. But, uh, yeah. The chaplain of the Mare Jonio, uh, Father Mattia Ferrari, a priest known for working in pro-refugee circles, said with astonishment, the Catholic Church is becoming our Soros in reference to the funding they were receiving. Probably funding from Soros. I'm sure. I'm almost certain that there's (laughs) some open open society foundation money flowing into this. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's sort of like, you know, I don't care if someone's Catholic. That's their business. But I'm not really seeing an avenue for changing the structure of the Catholic Church in positive ways until until we can just change the government and then just, like, force them to accept what we want. I mean, and they will with no problems, right? Like, because they're not there to fight. They're to look, you know, they're there to, like, look at paintings and walk around in robes and shit. So the church yeah. just uh, the church just sort of like is there as like it, it basically follows the state that the, the separation of church and state never really happens. It's only on paper. Uh, well, eventually, also- priests become become preachers of the state ideology. Yeah, and what, the issue that's uh, really affecting because I can speak at least from some personal experience on this. Uh-huh. The issue with, for lack of a better term, we'll just say conservative or traditionalist Catholics. Mm. The issue is that they're even they aren't united on what to do about the issue with the way that the Catholic Church conducts itself in the political realm because you have some that just throw up their hands and become set of anchorists and they just completely mm-hmm. remove themselves from that process. You have people who are in SSPX who are have a very uh, tumultuous relationship with the with with the Holy See and they, you know these these groups are growing, but the fact that and then you have others that are who are traditionalists, but they tend to stay away from the from the these groups that are much more hardcore on this stuff and yeah. would like to see changes. And so they're, they're, yeah. they're I, always uh, trying to find the middle path on this stuff. I briefly had a very good friend who uh, was from a Catholic family, and she and her mother started going to SXPX, and the dad was like. I'm not going to that crazy shit. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think a lot of people though, because they're conservative, they're going to have like a conservative approach and not do something radical. And they're like, well, the church here's the big church that's been around forever. Here's this weird offshoot thing, which you know has all these weird statements they make and probably hates Jews and uh, you know. Uh, and also, there was also a lot when I was in New York City. There's a lot of neo reactionary people like going to SXPX as like a meme. And I went with them one time, and this one neo-reactionary guy gave me a um, a postcard of St. Michael. And he was like, this is you. And I was like, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> and I put, it, I put it on my fridge. It was nice. Yeah, he'll protect you. Yeah, no, it was, it was but, nice. Uh, I, mean, I liked it. I liked the image. It was, it was a... Not it was it was pre Michelangelo, it was pre High Renaissance, but it was like it was early Renaissance of a Michael, the Archangel with the spear. But um yeah, it was a nice it was a nice thing that he gave me. But I knew that a lot of these people were doing this as a meme. Like I was there at church doing like that Latin math. I didn't participate, I wasn't 
baptized Catholic, so I just was there to watch um, and just be there. But I'm telling you, man, they make you kneel for a long time in an uncomfortable position on a hard wooden floor. And I was like, this shit kills. I would have like, I would have, I would have like sort of surreptitiously put knee pads under my pants if I had known we were going to do this. Well, that's, it's, it's nice uh, if you, when you have a little baby, because you can just pretend that you're tired. I'm holding the baby. You gotta, you have to understand like my, my back's hurting. My knees hurt. I got this baby. Like you just let me sit down for a second. But the, the kneeling isn't so bad when you have like padding, so your your the bones of your knees are not like grinding the the, yeah. the little the thin layer of skin between the the bone and like the the cold hard floor. You know, like uh, at least when I went to church, the Episcopal the, church, the, S- nice. the SSPX uh, church is the real bone grinder. It really is. It really <laughs> is. And there's real Soros grinder. Uh, yep. it, no, because it's literally like, hey, just you kneel like right there, and they didn't have pews; they had like just a bunch of different chairs and stuff. So they they kind of didn't have their shit together. But well, uh, that's that's the thing you also see a lot because I I've been to a number of different Catholic churches, uh, especially since I travel a lot, and the the nicest one the nicest ones are the one like you, this isn't just. Uh, restricted to catholics i've seen this across all all different denominations actually the the most conservative ones are the ones that are that always are dealing with a very uh thin budget they're they're yeah. they're kind of like yep. scraping by by the skin of their teeth mm-hmm. um they're having to use whatever they can and then the 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 historic ornate cathedrals and everything yeah, always have all the liptards are in there yeah, yeah it's the liptards or, or, or centrist at best centrist at yeah. best yeah, next thing you know, there's going to be some kind of crazy tape coming out of one of these places. Probably not. Yeah. Well, maybe. Actually, who knows? Probably that's just been going well, on for a long Church time. Church Milton, for instance, uh, speaking of, you know, <laughs> they're, ba- they're based out of Metro Detroit. <laughs> and I don't know if everyone knows that about Church Milton. That is an ex-faggot yeah. thing. Yeah, it's for ex-faggot. Yeah. But Church, Mil- well, but Church Milton no was, was they're constantly involved in fights with every single Catholic church in the Metro Detroit, every major Catholic church based. in the Metro Detroit area, okay, and including the conservative ones, they like the church, uh, the church militant people fight with. But that's my point. Like the internecine conflicts that constantly happen within like, even the conservative Catholic. But were they right? Are, that's what matters. Some, yeah. Well, they make, they make accusations that are uh, hard. I mean, like they're just they're accusations and allegations that are. Hard to prove unless you well, have like the Jesse uh, well, Lee those. Peterson raped me thing. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's one. There was one where they were making all kinds of allegations against the different uh, various priests in the Metro Detroit area, and I mean it's one of those cases that could be true, but they could. All, I mean, Church Milton also didn't really have any evidence either, so I don't know what you do with that. I mean, well, people I are going to probably they could just they it, could but, just go out and be like, here's all the various Catholic officials I've had sex with, or that have raped <laughs> me. And that's how that's, I'm that's exposing a, it. That's uh, also very possible. Probably that's like, also that's very, like on the table possible. for them, right? That's like yeah, <laughs> it really is. But it's, I'll never forget the story that uh, somebody who came to an NJP event told me because we were talking about Catholic stuff together, and there was a wedding where one person's father, I think, was who was was a set of Anchetist, mm-hmm. or either SPSPX, I forget which. I think it was a set of Anchetist, and E. Michael Jones were also at was also at this wedding because like all the all these all all these like extremely politically motivated Catholics all know each other for the most part, especially mm-hmm. if they're in the near in yeah. the same geographic region, and they almost came. To, like, there was a shouting argument. I guess, uh, or at least they almost came to blows. I forget exactly how they told the story to me, but I mean, like at a wedding, you have these major Catholics getting into arguments and fights with each other. Hey, there's no other better place over. for it, man. Just, you know, yeah. let it all out. Yeah. It's just, but yeah, this is why that there's not going to be, uh, I don't know, like unless somebody can org- can unite all these factions, I, I'm very skeptical that there's going to be an internal kind of yeah. counter-revolution to what's going on within the Catholic Church. And I say that, and I say that with a lot of remorse, I mean, with a lot of sadness, because, you know, I, wa- I would like to see this, the Church get its act together, but, I mean, I well, have no... I don't view it as a political vehicle, so... It's not... I mean, the Church will change when the state changes, frankly. Yeah, that's, I agree that's with that. How, that's always how it's gone. It's o- always how it's gone. The state sets the yeah. tone. 
and it's especially in the Anglo world because that's what uh, that's how it's always. I mean, that's what led to the creation of the Church of England in the first place because yeah. of the struggle between church and state in yeah, England. And the, state, like, and the state won. Well, that's kind of my thing. I understand why Catholics might be angry about that, but when I look at that from a perspective of someone who's interested in successful power plays, for lack of a better term, I'm like, yeah, that was that was kind of based. Um, now I mean, the that's the whole church st- is extremely fucking gay, and Henry VIII would probably want to murder everybody involved in it. He'd probably be right. All I've that, always and been all like a secret fan. Eight. I've always been a bit of a secret fan of Henry VIII. Uh, maybe that surprises you. Maybe it doesn't. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been kind of like filthy, a low key, like filthy Episcopalian. Been kind of like a low key, like stand of uh, Henry VIII. Yeah, I guess. I guess growing up Episcopalian, maybe that's why, because he's not a hated figure. It's interesting. He's not a hated. Well, he created figure. your church. Why would he be hated? He's your he well, because your he church. beheaded eight of his wives. That's just based, though. Well, two, but but you know what I'm saying. He had eight wives yeah. beheaded too. So, uh, six wives beheaded too. It's uh, wait, it's wait. it's, di- it's di- divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Dude, Episcopalians used to be able to recite this shit at the dinner table. Like my parents <laughs> and, and their friends would would like have little rhymes and and stuff about this. Now there's a song about I am Henry the Eighth, I am, but that's not about the king. It's just about some loser, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, no, but they have, oh, yeah. there's like, there's like nursery rhymes about this and little like, um, again, the thing is even whatever you say about that, that culture in with even that culture within the Episcopal church is probably just dead. Now the last people that did that were my parents and their friends that all, you know, were the way they were, you know? Yeah. It's all, it's all about social justice now. It's all about yeah. blacks and gays. That's, it's not about like remember, memorizing how Henry VIII got rid of each of his wives. Yeah. Hey, but man, some of them. Which one was it? Um, his last wife, right? Uh, I can't remember. She survived. Bloody uh, that Mary, one, right? Then, then didn't no, 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 no. Bloody Mary is uh, she, w- w- she was a daughter. Yes, she, yes. Uh, one of his daughters, the one that was the one that was raised by his Catholic Spanish wife went and tried to redo the bit like undo the damage so to speak and it didn't go well so uh yeah yep anyway i think yeah i think bloody mary was the daughter of catherine of aragon i think almost positive it wouldn't make sense otherwise because it's like her mother would have been the one that like induced her into catholicism right yeah yeah but wait she couldn't have a kid though no, she couldn't. She didn't. Um, she, well, they were having. Uh, I'd have issues. to look at it again. I don't know. I'd have to read it again. Yeah. Read up on it again. It's too bad I'm not uh, like at the Thanksgiving dinner table with my parents. Like you know, 35 years ago, I could ask them. My dad be able to be like, "Here's what happened." So, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. okay. So, yeah, well, yeah, she was the daughter of Catherine of Aragon. Oh, she so was. So I was right. Yeah, yeah. So somehow she ended up conceiving. All right, okay. Well, no, they 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 were well. They had. She had a lot of miscarriages and stillbirths. That's what it was. Like they were, they did have children, but she wasn't giving him a son, which is what. Oh, he really that's wanted. right. Yes, yes, that's what it was. Now, uh, now it all becomes clear. Yes. Yep. And then he had one son, and he was all like sick. Yeah, that he his son survived. Like, got lived to be about a teenager or a very young man. I forget exactly yeah. when he died, but he died relatively young, either as a right. teenager or as like a very young man. And then, of course, his daughter was. The big, you know, Queen Elizabeth with the massive, like, yep. red hair and all that <laughs> stuff, right? So, um, so I mean, he's not a reviled figure in in Britain either, I think. He's only like... Well, why would he be? He created their church. <laughs> well, he also is just like pretty... He's also based. Uh, I just think... I'm just thinking Henry VIII is just based. Well, like, people know, are going to get mad about that. People get real mad. Don't get to- so mad. I'm just kind of throwing it out there, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, ever, within the English world, the Anglo world, I mean, there's going to be nuanced opinions on Henry VIII. The only people who would really have a, a problem with him are the hardcore Catholics. And there people are really don't like the idea of beheading Catholics. your own wife, but I don't know who doesn't like that idea, so here we are. <laughs> um, women, am I, women, am I right? Women, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, Henry VIII should be, like, well, a sometimes hero. Sometimes you divorce him, sometimes you behead him. He should be a hero to, like, all incels. Like, they should start looking up to this guy. Like, this guy knew how to do yeah. Yeah, he knew he I mean, knew how to handle these hypergamists. He he beheaded Anne Boleyn for having an affair. Based. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, I, uh, I don't know. So well, we now really have else. this thing with the we're gonna talk about Yemen for a second. You brought that up. So Yeah, man. The Yemen the Yemenis have hijacked 
at least one ship totally. Did you ever see that video after that? They 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 brought in that ship to Yemen um, a few weeks ago. How they had all the crew of the ship who were actually just like a bunch of Africans and Arabs, and they had them. They had a picture of them like playing some like Middle Eastern instrument and like chewing quat or something. Quat It's like something that they chew in Yemen. It's actually all around the Arabian Peninsula, but it's illegal in every country but Yemen. And is it you, cot? It, it's cot. Yeah, it's basically like chewing coca leaves would be in like Bolivia. It's it's yeah. basically gives you that mild stimulant effect. But they put like wads of it in their cheeks and they walk around. And there's actually a theory that the fact that Yemen has yet to make it illegal is like one of the things holding its economy back. And I wouldn't Trump. be surprised. I would not be surprised. We're holding its economy back or holding its co- economy together. Well, both. Well, it's holding the economy as it is in kind of a stasis. Because so much land in Yemen is used to cultivate this stuff because it's a cash crop and everybody uses it. So, um, yeah. It's funny because Islam does it. Islam's like no alcohol, but you're like, yeah, but I can chew this weed and get all fucked up. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Is this the video? Uh, I have it right here. Uh, Yemen's Houthis released video of hijacked cargo ship from a month ago. Well, right there might be the video of them raiding the ship, but then later on... Oh, yeah, it's, the, yeah, it's them raiding. It's them yeah, raiding we the watched ship. that video. Yeah, that was cool, man. They they did, like, a really cool raid. But uh, I think they might have captured another few, and there's others that they have just warned to stay out of their waters, and there's others they have shot missiles at and such. And so I think America is now sending in some kind of team or squad or something like that um i saw i saw like a meme tweet of somebody saying it because i guess the uss eisenhower is around there and said if 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 the yemenis the who if the houthis uh attack the uss eisenhower i'm converting to islam yeah i mean i don't think they want to take i don't think they want to take a um i don't think they necessarily want to take like a super aggressive action like that but they do what they are engaging in like deterrence um and pretty effectively, and and deterrence through like offense too. And uh, the Israelis, there's scuttlebutt is that the Israelis have said to America, "All right, that's it. Like Yemen is shooting missiles at us, we're gonna we're going to attack them." And America's like, "Let us handle it," and they go and do like diplomacy with I- either side. But it does seem to me that we are looking at um, reluctance of America to get involved because these countries are pushing buttons constantly. Not all of them, like Egypt and Jordan are still faggots, and Bashar Assad can't really do anything because he's got his hands full with Syria. Yeah, he's missing one-third uh, of his country still. The Iraqis are like on paper a U.S. colony, but there's all kinds of people running around that government that are probably loyal to the Iranians. And um, Iraq's just of no use. It's it's just too disordered. I mean, they, they've already driven out a lot of our U.S. forces internally yeah. within yeah. Iraq. It's just it, it's a non-factor, really, at right. this point. Yeah, they basically, it's, it's interesting what they do with that they just they kind of took a big l the the only question is where at what point did they take the l i am of the opinion the l was taken when they arrested Ahmed chalabi which is a name people probably have not heard in a long long long, long time. time he was one of the leaders of something called iraqi national congress and the purpose of iraqi national congress was to give some kind of veneer of legitimacy to what America was doing by being like the government in exile that would come in and take over. Ahmed Chalabi was the head of this. As it turned out, the dude was an asset for the Iranian intelligence agents all the time. He was basically a revolutionary guard intelligence asset the whole fucking time. And so uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, he died and then like America like stopped talking about it. Just like stop yep. talking. About it, you know? <laughs> Wait, this Iraqi Shia pop, uh, uh, politician was really working for the Iranians. How, how we could have never predicted that. Again, when shit like that happens, I'm like, I mean, what levels are you actually on that you don't think that's a possibility? Like, what level of, of actually believing your own shit are you on? Because like this guy was blowing smoke up their asses constantly and all this stupid democracy and rebuilding crap, and it was just sickening and stupid. So yeah, yeah uh, I, can't, but, I just but can't believe are... I just can't believe that Iran would want to topple their <laughs> their neighbor to their well, west that the they've had wars with. Is that like people? There's a narrative about the Iraq War, which is that the Iranians conned the shit out of America to get them to do it with people like Chalabi and the uh, and the um, you know. 
to lobby in the Iraqi National Congress. My thing with that is that um, I don't actually uh, I don't actually think that like the entire Iraq War was like ginned up by the Iranians. That seems a bit they just took advantage of silly. It they took advantage of what opinion. they knew was already going to happen. Right? They knew it was already going to happen, and so they got their guy in there, which was which was the smart play. The, the Iranians have always <laughs> been practical and pragmatist because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know this, but after 9-11 happened, they actually took a nuanced position yeah. initially. Yeah. They were they were very they, – they put public sympathetic statements yeah. towards the United States, and Qasem Soleimani actually worked with our forces in Afghanistan yep. because they were pro-Northern Alliance, and they didn't like yeah. the Taliban. There's a lot of – we don't need to go into the whole history of that. There's a lot of reasons yeah. for that, but yeah. the Iran – the Iran – Iranian hardliners reasserted control after the axis of evil speech because they were at the point like, look, you cannot trust Americans. We we were good faith partners in this. We tried to work with them. They're saying that we have to go. We we were proven right again. You cannot work with the great Satan. And that was right. the end of and the they, And they also, of course, knew know that it's run by Jews and they're quite sure of that too. Like they Oh yeah. And they say that to each other all the time, I'm sure. Like, yeah, these fucking kikes, you know. Oh, yeah, it's on memory TV all the time. Like uh Iranian Johnny, yeah. shout out to him, would always send us memory and uh, memory clips. Yeah, they're great. The Iranians openly talking about this stuff. Yeah, it's fucking great. I mean it's amazing. But yeah. Um anyway. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to find something on um, the Hoot, the Hooties have got people now, especially his. his also, in case people don't know, shit, you shit. should know if you listen to shows in this space that the the Houthis are another effective proxy for the Iranians. Yep. Um. So I, I want to see uh, U.S. protecting Red Sea shipping. Yeah, this is what I, I mean, wanted like, to go for. A lot of ships are being rerouted right now because it's, they just do are it's too dangerous for them to go through the Suez Canal, yeah. so they're going around Africa to go to their so, to the Asian ports. U.S. warship joins U.S.-led international force to combat attacks on ships in Red Sea. Uh, this is from today. A U.K. warship. Oh no, U.K. warship. Sorry, U.K. warship joins U.S.-led international force. So let's see what this. That I means it's going to be the same thing. A U.K. warship has joined a multinational naval force. Okay, so the U.S. and the U.K., as if that's actually, like, two countries. Let's let's be honest here. Uh, joined a multinational naval force in the Red Sea to protect ships from attack by Iran-backed militias as Rishi Sunak hit out at those like Tehran, <coughs> who are looking to exploit the Israel-Hamas war to create further instability in the Middle East. The, I mean, really, exploit it. I love this. I mean, we've done this a million times on this show. The, the Jew uses the word exploit. <laughs> the HMS to describe like people actually like, hey, maybe don't genocide those people, please. And if you keep doing it, we might have to do something. Although I'm a little bit cynical on, on that at this point, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the HMS Diamond, one of the Royal Navy's most advanced warships, have been mobilized in the Southern Red Sea alongside French and American vessels as part of Operation Prosperity Guardian. Actually, though, before we continue, I am going to take a quick pause here in the recording because that is the end of hour one. And those of you that want to hear the rest of the show, uh, want to hear hour two. I think we're only going to get in two hours today because, boys, I've got somewhere to be. Those of you that want to hear hour two, sign up for a paywall subscription and you'll hear the rest of this conversation. So uh, we'll see you later. And we'll be right back for um, pay chats. (laughs) 